thank you so much. I'm really uh, grateful that you're on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time, Fong. I can't wait to talk to you. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm equally excited, maybe even more excited. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> so, um, yeah, tell the uh, audience a little bit about what you do, Matt. What I do for work? Yeah, just work, life, you know, everything. Uh, well, why don't I start with what I do for life? Um, cause I think that's more important. Uh, so I got two kids, Jake's at Tulane. Um, he's a junior studying business and design business marketing and design. Thought he was going to have to go for an extra semester and found out yesterday that he doesn't. So he'll be graduating next year. He's doing great. Uh, he, he, he was crazy as a kid and he's just developed into a little angel. Kennedy's a senior going to Northeastern starting off in London. Um, and then Jill has a baking business. And so uh, what I like to do is uh, have an evening routine where I get a little time with my daughter who, you know, 16 to 18, they don't really want to spend time with their dad, but I muscle it as much time as I can. Got my evening routine of working out, which used to be mountain biking before I crashed and wrecked myself. And I had to reinvent my routine because it was mountain bike for a couple hours, have a couple of drinks with my buddies after mountain biking, which isn't so healthful, healthy, come home, do the dinner family thing. And I usually watch some sort of historical documentary every night before I go to bed. So I reinvented my evening routine. I'm big into routines. I go to the gym and sit on the crappy stationary bike because that's all my body will handle with all my broken bones. And I got to stop using my hands. That's why I should be wearing a sling. I'm going to leave my hand in sling position. Um, so, you know, what I do is I spend as much time as I can with my family, be as best dad and um, family men as I can. And then second to that is taking care of my my friends, my friends' kids, and my kids' friends. So I have a little program where I coach people on how to get into college. And I think we've only gotten one no in two years so far. We'll probably get a couple more, but some kids that maybe wouldn't have gone to college, some kids that uh, maybe wouldn't have gotten into all the colleges they wanted to. So I coach them on the application process, teach them how to kiss ass on the on the admissions counselors, because that's half the battle, make sure they have good essays. And then you did some stuff with me when you worked at College Works, probably did the DISC thing. You did the time management thing, the stress management thing. Um, maybe you didn't do some of the career search things that we do now. So I brought all that stuff from work into kids' friends and friends' kids. I've done a lot of charity stuff in my life and been chairman of a lot of different boards, you know, school boards, entrepreneur organization boards. And I never working with cancer, working with ALS, never really felt like I could, well, I always felt like a drop in the bucket. And, and we're talking $750,000 we've donated to ALS research. And I put in thousands of hours into food banks, but it never felt like I was getting much traction. So I'm really loving the traction of one-on-one -on -one individual assistance. So it's not maybe changing the world, but it's changing one individual's world. And so I'm getting a lot of satisfaction out of that. And that kind of leads to what I do for a living. I'm one of the lucky people that does exactly what he's supposed to do. And I know it's what I'm supposed to do because for work, I teach 20-somethings to run businesses and develop leadership skills and help them figure out how to figure out their careers and conquer the world. And I find myself doing that as my community involvement, um, whether it's on the school board or, or, or now these individual um, people that I'm working with. And it's kind of one of my more fulfilling things. So when the work life is the exact same thing as the free time life and is the exact same thing as what you feel is most fulfilling in your life, I think you found what you should be doing. So I still run our College Works brand, which teaches college students to run these painting companies that you did. We have a gigantic commercial construction company. We have a pretty darn big 
home improvement business, Empire Community Construction and Home Genius Exteriors. And they're doing wonderfully, great culture, winning all sorts of awards, growing, making a lot of money. Um, I still spend my time in that sweet spot for me, which I'm so happy I've got partners in my business that allow me to do that. Um, and then I also work here at our palace on Langley, overseeing the operations of all our businesses. Wow. That's a, that's a full life. Yeah. Um, purposeful life. Purposeful oh, purposeful. Life. Life. Oh, that's the fifth one. Life coaching for all the district managers nowadays. So we do three-year oh, nice. goals, one-page plans, meet once. That's what I've been doing today. Meeting with these people, not talking about work, but talking about their life, which mm -hmm. makes them work better. But I, you know, I don't get everybody for very long. I've got a stepping stone organization. So I want to give them the best, which for me is, you know, 25 years of touring the world, reading books, meeting speakers, hanging out with the Dalai Lama once. Um, and if I could get the top five things that I got out of 25 years and give them to these people in two years, save them a mm -hmm. bunch of time. And then I, you know, I believe in palm down giving, so I'm not looking mm -hmm. for anything, but it is nice when you feel good after doing it too. Right. Absolutely. So that being said, you know, one, one of the things I really admire about you is your passion for helping the youth, you know, the next generation. And so I'm sure you've heard the like youth. there's an ad that somebody says the youth and they go, did you just say the youth? You can't <laughs> say the youth. What are you? 95 years old. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> yeah. so, so, um, so yeah. And I'm sure you've, you know, like heard it a lot, you know, like a lot of generations that are typically older trash the youth, right? Trash the future generation. Like, for example, you hear like TikTok, you know, like China's TikTok is rotting the, the kids' brains, you know, um, in China, it's like their app is totally different than ours. You know, their app is like all, your feed is all sciences and astronauts and, you know, like inspirational things to get kids to want to dream and, you know, do something productive for society. And then over here, we get dance videos and pranks, you know. Here we get asses. R right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, what what are your thoughts on Gen Z, you know? Um, do you feel like it's as bad as people are saying or like what, what are some and things I, that I, you you're see? You're the second person. I was on a podcast the other day with John DeJulius. I forget what his podcast is called. Something about the customer service re revolution. Mm. And he's, he's a guru in customer service. And he's, and he's the guy that introduced me to the Gen Z guy, the guy that wrote the Gen Z book. Mm. He said the same thing. He said, you know, the Gen Z generation is getting bagged on. And I always, this is what he said, quote, I always tell people you're the ones that raised them. And I sat mm -hmm. there thinking, I'm like, I've never heard anybody back on Gen Z. Now, millennials, <laughs> millennials, I've heard people back on mm -hmm. from both ends, from the Gen Z ends back on them and learn to not throw things out on social <laughs> media the same way. And they have Snapchat instead of Facebook. So everything's a little bit more discreet. Learned maybe the value of hard work after seeing some things. Learned maybe some longer planning because you can learn from the people that come in front of you. So I've heard the millennials bag on, which I don't think is right either. Mm -hmm. um, I've never heard people bag on Gen Z. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of people bag on the millennials, um, <laughs> and you know, say la vie, everybody's, everybody's different. You can't characterize everybody in one mm -hmm. boat, but I've never heard it about Gen Z. And I, and the reason why I think, I mean, I think there was some issues with the millennials, the first generation to have electronics through their mm -hmm. whole life. Um, and there was a major recession during mm -hmm. uh, their development years that adjusted their outlook. And what is a generation? It's, a gen it's defined because they have collective experiences and collective beliefs. And usually there's one major thing that impacts them. And I'm sure the 
recession impacted them and they realized it's not all about work it's about life and it's about love and it's about happiness work is a way to get there and some of them may have gotten a little confused and decided i'll skip the work thing and and maybe they thought some of them thought a little bit more short term and they did the van life um which i believe you work hard early in life and it's like you have compound interest on your effort so if you do it early you have a better life later i've experienced that um, you know, if you if you start off late, you're so far behind that it's hard to catch up. So that's my philosophy. The millennial philosophy, some people may have a different one than that. And I don't know who's right or who's wrong. The Gen Zers, though, ah, they learned about keeping some of your shit private, except for the ass thing. And I don't get the ass thing. <laughs> if, if you're a, if you're a good looking high school student, you're just waiting for the day mm -hmm. where you can get your ass out there and get some likes. And I think it's the dehumanizing i think it's uh um sexist i think it's uh distracting focus from what really matters for some of these people and you know my daughter's got a lot of friends that have their instagram posts and mm -hmm. you know, most of them i'm not allowed into but believe me when i left town the other day i wanted to see what was going on at my house i went and found the instagrams and in between the people smoking weed in my living room there was a lot of ass photos um but most of them are hidden. So the Gen mm -hmm. Z's learn to keep things under discretion. I mean, thank God there wasn't video cameras for us Gen Xers. I, I'd probably still be in jail. Um, <laughs> they learned the value of hard work. They learned patience to rise up to the executive role. Some of the things that the millennials were criticized for. Um, and at the same time, they still want to find happiness. So they kept kind mm -hmm. of the best of the millennials. At the same time, they know that you know work is supposed to be part of your life. Um, and it can be a mega part of your life. And it should be, in my opinion, when you're young, 80 hours a week, mm -hmm. but it should be something that aligns with who you are and what you're doing and what your values are. So I think the Gen Zers may have taken some of the lessons from the millennials and put themselves in a great position. I mm -hmm. find that, well, I, I've got numbers long because I've mm -hmm. been working with these guys. I've been working with people. I've been frozen for 30 years, 31 years. Right. So if you're between 19 and 25, I've been working with you for 35 years, mm -hmm. the best of the best. And the effort level went down during the millennials and now it's back up. Mm -hmm. So the quantity of work there, and they're all independent, you know that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I can look at how many sales calls they make or leads that they source or whatever their activities are and see how hard they're working. And it was going down. Now it's going back up. The Gen Zers are working harder. Mm -hmm. um, our booking rates are through the roof. Um, because they have to do a bunch of extra work now watching videos. And so they're figuring it out faster. Um, the hmm. average, they're a little less satisfied. The average was always when someone could make 10 grand, mm -hmm. like 10 grand, 10 grand, 10 grand. Now it's like 20. Mm. So you don't stop when you get to your number anymore. They're, they're pushing themselves a little further. So I will say that people, people don't say racist things around me because they know if they do, I'm going to slam them mm -hmm. and they never will again. They don't say homophobic things around me. They don't say sexist things around me. Maybe they don't say, say negative things about Gen Z around me. Mm. I doubt it. Um, because I just have never heard it. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe you guys are closer to it, but uh, I think your rep is pretty good. Mm. Interesting. So it seems like they really learned the lessons, like you mentioned, from the millennials. Now, if you had to, like, do you notice anything that they can improve on? Any qualities that you think their generation can improve on? Or Patience patients mm -hmm. there was a whole group and maybe it was a couple maybe it's more your side of the gen z we're kind of gen z is running out here in a couple of years mm -hmm. and we're going to get whatever the next one is mm -hmm. um 
but there was this desire to build it and retire by 35. And that, you know, I asked people what they want to do for a living. And a lot of people were telling me for about a five-year period, kind of stopped like this year. I mean, it's like the last five years. You know, I just want to make a lot of money and retire by the time I'm 35. I want to get into real estate and retire by the time I'm 35. I want to do a bunch of house flipping and retire by the time I'm 35. And so I interviewed a bunch of people on my podcast that all had enough money to retire by the time they're 35, including me. And none of them did. Because what are you going to do? First of all, what are you going to do? And second of all, the average, uh, average man dies within three years of retirement because they lose their focus, the sense of achievement. My wife, you know, she didn't have a job for quite a while. She became less effective. She became less happy. She mm. now has this baking business because you, you close a deal, you get affirmation. You hit a budget, you get recognized. Um, she was getting none of that. So what are you going to do? You're going to go golfing? Am I going to mm. go mountain biking all day, every day? I mean, I, I can have a good time. I, I can do that. I can go mountain biking every day. I can go skiing every other week. I can read a bunch of books or, or I can just keep doing what I love, make money, impact each other's lives. <clears throat> so I, I think there's this unrealistic, and you guys are going to live to over hundred years old. What the fuck are you going to do for 75 <laughs> years? So I see a lot of people that have this unrealistic impatience. And then what is retirement? How much do you need? Mm -hmm. uh, my trainer needs a million dollars. I need more than that a year. Right. So different people need different things. Um, but you know, I'm set up to where I don't have to work. I just, I'll become fat and my brain will slip and I do it because I love it and it keeps me going. So patience, um, and then just the ability to retire at 35, who cares? Yeah. Uh, and I love the goals. I love shooting for the stars and hopefully hitting the moon. And I love pushing yourself, but I see people like that's their number one thing. I want to be mm -hmm. done at 35 and have enough money. What if you don't? Right. What if you find a what if you find a fork in the road and go a different way? So I think it's better to understand that you're going to be living a long time. Your goals are going to change. Your needs are going to change. Um, you're going to try things out. Like you said, you've got this great um, Fongbo Media going, and maybe that becomes this giant monster. Maybe you sell it and go on and start another giant monster. But how could you? I mean, you're not going to stop doing social media marketing. You're not going. Stop helping people grow. You're probably not going to stop doing your media stuff like this show. Um, so be patient. And if you mm -hmm. and if you don't have your business idea, it'll come to you. Just keep success is luck. Mm -hmm. It's when you're prepared when opportunity knocks. You want to be an entrepreneur? Keep doing stuff. Work that job you're working while your side gig, your entrepreneurship starts until that one day like happened for you today, I think you said. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, you get to eject and do your own thing. But if it didn't happen for three years, who cares? You're going to live 100 years. Right. You don't have to have all the money. You don't have, And you're definitely not going to have the wisdom. So there's a desire, millennials and Gen Z, to really be that person that knows everything. Wisdom comes with time and experience. Now, I think mm -hmm. I have a lot of wisdom because I packed a lot into my first 50 years mm -hmm. by flying around the world and being chairman of EO and meeting all these people and reading all these books. So maybe I'm wiser at 50 than someone that sat around doing nothing for their first 50 years, mm -hmm. but I'm not as wise as someone else that, you know, had more experience because wisdom is experience plus time. If you add mm -hmm. more experience, you can do it in less time, but no one's going to become wise at 27 years old, right? you're just not there yet. So be patient, give yourself some credit, live in the now, enjoy what you're doing now. But mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of faults with Gen Zers. Yeah. You know, I'm 27. I rank and... Gen Zers up with me in the, oh, Gen, really? in the Gen Xer <laughs> crowd, the greatest of all time. Yeah. You know, like um, I'm 27 and I definitely find, you know, 
it's what I'm learning is there has to be a balance. You know, you hear people like Elon Musk saying like, if you if you like give yourself 40 hours, right, to get something done, you'll take 40 hours. If you give yourself five, you'll figure out how to get in five, right? So there's that element, which is like time collapsing. But then there's also like, hey, things take time and you ha also have to be patient, you know, especially since we're going to be living longer. So I, I find myself in both, you know, like moving back and forth, so I, you know, learning to be in, the middle, you know, and, and balancing it. I think you're a millennial, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. You're 27 years 27. old. Mm -hmm. You're you're a cusper. Cusp, yeah, yeah, right at the cusp. Because uh, um, Gen Z is 25 years old to 11 years old right now. Mm. You know, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is you know during the pandemic, uh, people were locked in their homes, you know, and so the social oh, socialization. Oh, I love it. Especially for kids, right? Like they need to be socializing. That's part of their development mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. Socialize with others, but a lot of them were locked in their homes. And so we might not see the effects of that, you know, like five, 10, 20 years from now. And my wife, she's a um, P teacher. And I asked her like, hey, what, uh, hmm. like, do you notice a difference between like, you know, the recent kids that are coming into becoming freshmen? She's like, yeah, huge difference. You know, they can't really socialize, you know, mm -hmm. they have a hard time having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think the pandemic, what sort of effect do you think it has on like, you know, the future generation? Yeah, not good. Not good. Um, but I think everything bad uh, can be flipped into a good. I got my mm -hmm. buddy, Joe John Duran. Um, he sold his business to Goldman Sachs and was CEO of Goldman Sachs Wealth Management until about two weeks ago when um, he left. And now he's a consultant, the first partner to ever get a consultant deal. He grew mm -hmm. up in revolutionary Rhodesia, which became Zimbabwe, sitting on a rock with a machine gun on his lap at 11 years old, wow. waiting for the rebels to come and having to protect his family. He was beaten by his dad with an axe handle. He watched Jeez. his sisters and his mom get beaten. He escaped and moved to Spain by himself at 18 years old, came over to America, and I forget how he got here, got a degree at St. Louis University, which is pretty good university. Mm -hmm. um, started a company, sold it. It became uh, GE Capital. So that was mm -hmm. his. They bought it. They didn't have a capital um, company. It became that, worked at GE, wrote a couple books, got an MBA from Columbia and Berkeley, started mm -hmm. this United Capital, sold it for $750 million to Goldman Sachs. Uh, and that was all fueled by his shitty life. Mm -hmm. And you remember we had Johnny, uh, Johnny Schillerif, who was the founder of Element, come to talk to us. Um, Jarek Ramos got the poster that he signed, I remember. He had a shitty life, homeless at 10 mm -hmm. years old, in 10th grade, living in an abandoned apartment complex. Those two guys, and I was with them a lot, were just fueled by getting away from their pain. Mm -hmm. So I think that that pain can be used. I'm glad I don't have it. I'm running to mm -hmm. something, not away from something. Um, but you know, being locked down, didn't help with math. I mean, I'm thinking if you're in if you're in eighth grade, ninth grade during COVID, holy shit, why don't you just take the grade over again? Why right. didn't just say this year doesn't count, we're starting over? Because mm -hmm. you're, I mean, algebra, you need you need algebra. <laughs> algebra is hard for me, hard for my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, you took algebra on a Zoom call, now that doesn't even count. So right. I think I think that there's some certain age groups that were probably pretty harmed. The little kids, they're pretty resilient. <clears throat> you know, they had a good time. Maybe we put them to school too early anyway, so they'll bounce mm -hmm. back. The college kids, um, you know, last couple of years of college, first part of real life, you know, they've already gotten themselves set up. 
But those developmental years and those crucial developmental years mm -hmm. for the middle school, the high school kids, I mean, they didn't get the learning they were supposed to get. So I would be making up for that if my kids, I mean, my son was, my son graduated during COVID from high school, so he didn't have the graduation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my daughter missed some water polo, but you know, the math, I, I would be getting tutors. I would be retaking summer school for stuff that they mm -hmm. did before. I'd be making up for the stuff. And, and that's probably got to be pretty hard on their psyche. Mm -hmm. pretty hard to know their grades they're not blaming anybody they just oh my grades are lower right. um my my classes grades are lower my school's test scores are lower it's got to be hard on your psyche the socialization piece i, I mean i shouldn't say this but at least one of my companies doesn't mm -hmm. hire homeschooled people mm -hmm. not a policy i came up with i found out the hard way i'm like mm -hmm. someone just mentioned yeah, we don't hire home what you don't hire homeschool people they had all the stats right um they, they can do well in school but they were having a reason why they didn't hire them is because they couldn't promote them. They mm. could do well in the sales cycle and mm -hmm. hiring people. But when it came to the management side of it, they didn't have the social skills. So right. they could never be promoted to a district manager or general manager. And we're not hiring people for one year. So they stopped hiring them. And I didn't mm -hmm. say no. So maybe I'll get sued over this. Um, I don't care. Don't right. homeschool your fucking kids. They need to socialize. And I've got friends that do that too. And um, you know, I talked to them about it. Maybe I'll lose some friends over it. But why take the chance? And maybe you have religious beliefs uh, and, and I respect that, but what are you sacrificing to make sure that your kids don't learn about evolution or whatever it is that you're avoiding? So maybe that was disrespectful. Um, but you know, they need that social social. And so now they have homeschool plus an hour of socialization a day or plus teams. It's not the same. You need to be whacked upside your, by your friend. So, you know, being stuck with no socialization, I think pretty shitty pretty dangerous mm -hmm. missing out on in-person school pretty shitty pretty dangerous missing out on the athletics pretty shitty pretty dangerous um i think they'll be resilient but i think they need to be purposeful and that you might mm -hmm. find this interesting fong you won't believe what i hired the other day wow. i hired a company psychiatrist wow after 30 years and why did i hire a company psychiatrist because unfortunately i have a lot of experience with suicide and depression Mm -hmm. And it's not something I wanted. It started in seventh grade when my cousin died of suicide wow. and it's continued on to my business partner's son dying of suicide mm -hmm. and a lot in between. I didn't want my wife to get postpartum depression, but she got it. I didn't want mm -hmm. her to have anxiety, but she got it. I didn't want to struggle through five years of her accepting depression. And I didn't want to struggle through all the stopping, taking the drugs and starting again, but I did. And, you know, unfortunately I have a skill set in helping people through those things. Mm -hmm. So I was the guy, you worked in one of our companies, you were having a hard time, people just knew to call me. And so mm -hmm. I'd have these calls and you know, maybe 10 people a year and Jill would get involved. Half the people would end up talking to Jill because mm -hmm. they may have had, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't diagnose it. <laughs> Some of them had symptoms of depression or anxiety that they called anxiety and depression, which is dangerous language. Right. Um, they had, you know, I, I don't have depression. I'm feeling sad today. I don't mm. have depression. Somebody around me passed away. I feel sad. Mm -hmm. um, so some, the language matters, but there's been real depression and there's right. been real anxiety. And so me and Jill were, or Jill and I were helping people. And this woman that you may know from uh, way back in time in Minnesota, who was one of the people that called me and needed some help. And I guess I helped her because she called me many years later and said, Hey, can I refer a psychiatrist to her? And I said, mm. Hey, you know what? Um, I just hired a psychiatrist to come in and train all the VPs and district managers on how to help people in their around them. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I invited my friends, kids, I invited my kids' friends. You know, they can all come to the Zoom and watch the what well, was first in person and then a Zoom, watch the the head shrinker 
teach us all about you know what the signs are what to recognize what to do when you know you're always going to have a friend that says hey i think i'm depressed what do you do you may have a friend that says i am feeling suicidal you call 911 mm-hmm. do your does your audience know that so i bring this person in and this woman calls and says hey can i refer someone i said hey you know what i just hired this lady to come do a seminar for us why don't i buy you a couple hours because i don't know of any psychiatrist in mm-hmm. minnesota you talk to her she'll help you out bridge the gap and get you uh get you on the right road to find someone near you. And <laughs> it worked out well. So I said, you know what? I'm putting you on retainer. So mm. I opened it up to our district managers. There's 22 of them, mm. four of them without, I didn't, I said, Hey, we have this thing. I didn't say use it when you want. Four of them came to me and said, Hey, I want to talk to that lady. Four out of 22. Mm. Wow. And now it's open up to the 400 interns who knows how many people are going to go there. So my daughter, my daughter had a friend, uh, die of suicide, had a friend try to drink herself to death, have another friend attempt suicide, had a friend whose dad abandoned the whole family and left them homeless, carless. She was in private school, schoolless, ran away with the stripper and had a kid named Burger. And then another one that he named Fry. I mean, talk about a slap in your face. This beautiful, angelic, wonderful, motivated, super cool, wonderful girl has a dipshit dad Mm-hmm. And no matter who you are, you're going to have internal shit going down that you're going to have to deal with that. And she's dealing with it. My daughter mm-hmm. didn't even tell me that happened. I didn't know for two years because my daughter kept it all together. My daughter's going to need some therapy. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some long, long-term long health effects. I think people need to take action. You know, People in my company have never been to a therapist before. All of a sudden, they're calling me like, I've never been to a therapist before. I thought I'd be lying on the couch and they'd be listening. I'm getting all these action plans. My life's getting better. I don't think I need to go back to that therapist. So I think there needs to be some proactive steps to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say it can always get worse. Um, yeah. And the anxiety is real now. I mean, I feel bad mm-hmm. for this generation. I had fear that Russia was going to bomb me. You guys got Russia, North Carolina, right. uh, North Korea, China, COVID, um, mm-hmm. economic disaster. And let's not mention the world's worst human being next to Adolf Hitler. Donald Trump was our president. Holy shit. And <laughs> now we have a completely divided country. Half of your audience is now turning off this call <laughs> because they can't believe I just said Donald Trump is the worst human being that walked the earth next to Hitler. Um, <laughs> well, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't. I st- Lisa, you're talking about Lisa before. She's a Donald Trump voter. We're best friends. Mm-hmm. We go back and forth and have debate and end up friends. It's mm-hmm. not that way anymore. So there's a lot of reason to be anxious. There's a lot of reason to have some sad times. There's also a lot of reason to be excited. Right. We're getting rid of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like we cannot stop this job market. We just made a vaccine in a year that didn't exist before. We're launching people into space. Cars are electric and flying. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But I can understand that people have, are dealing with a hard time. I, I loved COVID. I hate to say this mm-hmm. because I'm tired of traveling around the world. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? I'm tired of being in awesome places, meeting awesome mm-hmm. people. I just want to sit at home. I want to hang around with my local friends. I want to hang out with my family. So for me, it was a great time to reinvent myself, to dedicate myself to more exercise, to dedicate myself to my family, which I guess, and I was telling you about my broken uh, shoulder blade and rib, Mm -hmm. I could sit around being bummed or I could reinvent myself. So there's some people that have an opportunity to reinvent themselves. And then there's some people that probably should be looking for how do I get help to get over whatever hump I'm on. And guess Mm -hmm. what? You're probably going to be using that same method for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, you're you're definitely um you're definitely right. You know, like that's one thing I've observed 
you know, you hear things like fentanyl overdoses oh, on the forgot rise, about that you one. know, yeah, about that. alcoholism, you know, yeah. you hear anxiety, depression is increasing. And I think one of the problems is, I mean, going back to patients, right? I, I think I saw a stat where like one out of 10 people are on antidepressants. So people want a miracle drug or something quick, you know, that they could take to make their pain go away. But what about some of the things like, like that you mentioned, where you like have a discussion around what you're feeling and your anxiety, you know, doing some of the things like I talked to, um, had a Nikki Kyoho, uh, she was top 30 um, female entrepreneurs on my podcast uh, on Tuesday. And she's like, the words that you use can affect how you think, you know? And so I thought that was very powerful. You know, some people are using words like, why is this happening to me? Like they're asking themselves the wrong questions, right? Why is this happening to me? Why is, you know, why am I feeling this way? Instead, they should be asking different questions to themselves. Like, how can I get out of this rut? What can I do to make myself feel better? You know, things like that. And so, you know, I, 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 um, I think there's definitely a balance with like using other tools besides, you know, drugs, but well, you know, for some people drugs it, is there's, necessary. There's, yeah. yeah, there's different levels. And I think terminology is a real one. Am I mm -hmm. overwhelmed or do I just have more to do? Right. Am I stressed out or do I have a large to-do list? Mm -hmm. Do I have anxiety or am I just very invested in this? Mm -hmm. Do I have right. to work today or do I get to work today? Do mm -hmm. I have too much to do or do I just have a full schedule? So I, mean, I probably told you this before. We got 7,000 negative thoughts going through our head at all mm -hmm. times. You can't just ignore them. You got to grab them and refute them and let them go. Right. No, this stress is good mm -hmm. because it shows momentum. I'm doing the right thing. Go. No, mm -hmm. I'm not depressed. It's okay for me to cry because this happened let it go. So mm -hmm. I think correcting your terminology is important. I, I'm a big believer in meditation and psychology, psychiatry, therapy, gurus, all that shit, just getting it out there, getting a second opinion groups that you talk to. And I'm also a big believer in drugs for people that need it. Mm -hmm. And there are times where better living through medicine makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about popping a pill that's not prescribed, because, mm -hmm. you know, an Adderall or an antidepressant because your friend's got it and you think it's going to get it through. Now, that's that's not bridging a gap. That's that's right. procrastinating a problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to find psychiatrists and psychiatrists now. But if your listeners are in college, they might have free access to it. Mm -hmm. If they're out of college and they have health insurance, um, they, they will have access to get therapy there. If they don't have health insurance, um, there's a quite a few different organizations that'll help and of course if they're feeling suicidal they they need to either call 911 or call one of the suicide hotlines and i should have that number by heart i've got a little card in all my cars mm -hmm. and all my kids cars um and maybe you put it on the show notes um, yeah. when you publish this but yeah i mean i think that there's lots of lots of levels of what's going on and i don't also don't mm -hmm. think it's normal and think about this fong we got all this shit going on mm -hmm. the world's a crazy place right now so let's just back up a uh, uh, hundred years. We're coming mm -hmm. out of World War One. Let's back at World War One, World War Two. Some mm -hmm. crazy guy tried to conquer the whole world. Sixty million people died in World War Two. Mm -hmm. Let's back up one hundred and fifty years. One hundred and fifty years ago, slavery. Mm -hmm. Let's back up two hundred fifty years. You think about the Middle Ages. Right. Um, the guy that the, the Sacramento tribe would go invade the. Folsom tribe mm -hmm. and kill everybody. Right. <laughs> so, uh, in the big scheme of the world, 
um, we're in a pretty good place. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to think that way because this is a worse time than when I was younger, but it goes up or down, but it's going up and down and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got Absolutely. cured, cured all these ailments. We've got a globe, a globe that's kind of shutting down this crazy violence. It used to invade another country and kill everybody. Everybody's turned the other way. And that, and that happened everywhere. So I always think about that. That, right. That's what keeps me going. If they could get through it, we can get through it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's hard when you're in the thick of things, you know, and it's important to have perspective. And that's why, you know, I remember uh, going to Vietnam. I uh, My parents immigrated from the uh, escape the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And so I went back for the first time, actually right after college works, after I graduated. And I, I felt like I needed to do something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went on a three-week backpacking trip to Vietnam just with my backpack by myself. And I went, I started up north and just went through eight different cities all the way down and it's a going to a different country like that or a third world country you know it's it's perspective you know it's like you start to realize the things that you take for granted in the u.s you know for example like i remember i was in this village up in sapa didn't have electricity their water is like not so great so i went to the shower and i found out the water wasn't great i'm like all right time to take a nice hot shower and I turned it on, three little sprinkles came out, <laughs> you know, and I was like freezing. And so, and I was like, okay, let me test the cold water. And then like everything came out, but it's cold water. So like, do I want to like take my shower faster in cold water or do I want to be cold with like three little hot uh, sprinkles coming out? So I opted for the cold shower, um, but just stuff like that. It's like, wow, like in the US, you know, you take hot water for granted. So it's, it's um, really perspective changing, you know, when it's you not a vacation, able... when right. you go to Vietnam or Cambodia is even rougher. Mm-hmm. It's not a vacation. I, I did the same thing, spent a couple of weeks there mm-hmm. and, and it was, I had to take a vacation after my vacation. <laughs> it was a historical sabbatical. It was a cultural sabbatical. Mm-hmm. It was a spiritual and eye-opening sabbatical. It wasn't a vacation. And right. I saw some things that, you know, really make you feel grateful for what you have. And then also maybe a little sad. Um, part of my reaction was being a little sad for mm-hmm. um, the lack of flatness in the world. <laughs> you know, the economic flatness is not really there. And I, you know, I saw um, people defecating into a river that they were fishing out of and selling wow. the fish in the market, Jeez. literally 10 feet away. Um, and you know, I also saw the biggest smiles I've ever seen in Cambodia. Never seen a happier mm-hmm. group of people, despite Pol Pot and things that have happened in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, eye-opening experience and I'm oh, you know yeah. I'm very happy that I do that and that my mm-hmm. kids have done that I think you need to do that yeah and I I also noticed something very similar there you know uh, mm-hmm. people life is much more simple you know people don't need many things to be happy mm-hmm. you know over here we need like a Lambo you know we need like a really nice um yacht to be happy you know like Rolexes well, over there they don't need any of that you know they they I mean, they're in their slippers, you know, with their shorts and the tank top and they're happy. And so I just, I got that too, you know, while I was there. I think it's hard to be happy if you're unsafe mm-hmm. um, or if you're starving, but beyond that, it's, it's wants, not needs. And I think right. you're right. People get lost in it and, and it never ends. There's always yeah. someone with a better car. There's always someone with a bigger house and a bigger plane. And mm-hmm. even if you've got a $45 million airplane. There's someone with a bigger one. So you can easily get lost in that, or you can live in the now and um, look for, look for, 
your everyday little wins and mm-hmm. and really question what creates happiness because a lot, I find more often the wealth is a challenge to happiness mm-hmm. than uh, than a creator. It does create freedom, and you know freedom makes some things easier when you don't have to worry about shelter and food. Right. It's a lot easier to be happy. But yeah. yes, I too, I saw people starving and mm-hmm. um, with big smiles on their face, and it was same with India. Mm-hmm. begging in the streets two-year-old girl with a picture of her with the biggest smile on her face because they believe in kismet mm-hmm. hand of god may change your lot in life at any moment hand of god may come down and touch you and they believe in uh karma yoga mm-hmm. you're not worried about the outcome you're worried about the process do you have clear intention do you have sincerity of action to your intention and do you have purity of heart if you have clear intention sincerity of action purity of heart you got to let go of the outcome right and enjoy the process And I learned that from my buddy whose business went down. And right after it went down, he said that. And now his business is way back up Mm. because he didn't fester in the misery of losing everything. He festered in the lessons of losing everything. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life when I lost everything. I thought of it that way. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Like there's a certain, you know, the hierarchy of needs. You need to get your needs met, you know, safety, shelter, food, Mm -hmm. um, being able to survive. And that kind of brought me to an idea that I thought was really interesting. And, you know, I'm kind of go back and forth with it sometimes. So I think in the last election, there was a candidate, I think, I don't know if you know, Andrew Yang, and he proposed a $1,000 universal basic income. And his thought process is, let's get people out of the basic needs with the 1000 bucks. Now you can't survive with that, you still need to work, you need, you know, but by getting your needs met, you can be more creative, you can be more empathetic, you can be more happy, and you can be more productive in society. You know, so I thought that was really interesting is, you know, ideas like that, where how can we at mass get people to get out of the state of, you know, survival mode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know they did, uh, they actually did a study with a village in Europe where they gave everybody $2,000 um, living wage, I think they called it, uh and i I think the jury is still out on that but there are some things i mean you live up in the north in the northern california i live in southern california i mean how do we have homeless people right the way we have homeless people how how, i've been to saudi arabia they donate all the apartment buildings um to the homeless when they're um, a little bit more dilapidated they're safe but the homeless people have homes how how can they do that in saudi arabia Mm -hmm. and we can't do that here and you know how, how are we having these ridiculous um, regulations applied to um, preventing us from building shelters where they have to be six hundred thousand dollars a key. I've got a buddy, um, Boss Cubes, it's called B O S S Cubes, ten thousand dollars a unit, standalone units. I went and toured some of the villages that they put put out in L.A. AC heating, little communities. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I actually started crying when his mm-hmm. daughter was explaining it to me. Um, I, I said, "This, you, you might be saving the world here. You got a marketing issue. You got to get this thing out." Um, it's amazing. They've got three of the villages in LA. They've got one in San Francisco. Um, and they're just going and it's going to go crazy because for $10,000, you get a little mini tiny house per person mm-hmm. and there's dignity, dignity. Right. How, how do we live in America where and we've got hundreds of thousands of people in California and, and why are they all in California? Because the assholes in the Midwest ship them out here. They're not taking care of them. Bring mm-hmm. them on. I'll take them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how are we allowing the people to survive like this? So maybe a living wage is one, but before mm-hmm. we get to that debate, which is going to be a long one, mm-hmm. can we 
build some apartment communities? Can we stack up some boss cubes? Um, mm -hmm. Can we put in some social work? Can we maybe spend some of our money in a different way than we're spending it right now um, to help this? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got lots of money. We shouldn't have this problem. It's kind of a disgrace on America. But I think uh, I think it'll bounce back and we'll think we'll come up with some solutions. And I think boss cubes might might be one of them. And there's there's uh, pallet houses. There's all sorts of solutions mm -hmm. to make life better. So hopefully we figure that out. I don't know if I agree with the with the minimum living wage, mm -hmm. but I do agree. And, I, and I'm a capitalist right. and I was a Republican before I couldn't vote for a Republican president for like the mm -hmm. last few few elections and now i'm seriously considering about not being a, the only reason i'm a republican right now is to sabotage the election so <laughs> i probably should should switch uh, see if i could put up the least electable person that seems to keep happening marjorie taylor green I mean, how do we have this mm -hmm. how do we have debates about machine guns i mean give me a break right. how do we have debates about uh, how, how, do, how have we let the two medias come so far apart that we have two realities in the world? I just bounce mm -hmm. back and forth between both. But yeah, we need to do something. We can do better. We can do better. And hopefully one of your listeners will. Gen Z is going to solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we haven't teed you up very well in certain areas, but you've been teed up pretty well in other areas. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to solve the problem. And it's Gen Zers and millennials that are running all these different companies. Boss Cubes is run by, I think, a 25-year-old woman. Mm -hmm. So she's right on the cusp mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, you know, one of the things I um heard on a podcast on the Joe Rogan podcast, he had this expert on who's an expert in homelessness, and and he went to uh, the Netherlands, and they had they used to have a really, you know, really bad homelessness problem, and they pretty much solved it. Mm -hmm. They have no homeless, you know, virtually no homeless on the streets, and um and what he learned, he talked to the guy that was kind of behind that, and they said, yeah, you know, like there's carrots and sticks. You know, you have to have compassion for, of course, for the homelessness, but you also have to have discipline. You know, you can't just let them live on the streets. You can't say, oh, yeah, it's your right to live on the streets. Mm -hmm. You got to get your life in order. And mm -hmm. so it's that balance between, you know, not just being empathetic and compassionate and let them do whatever they want. It's also having like standards and guidelines that they need to meet in order to be a productive member of society. So I thought that was really an interesting conversation. We had. And you'll see in some of these homeless areas, they self-regulate <laughs> that way. Mm -hmm. There's one by my parents' house in Vallejo, California, right by the Vallejo airport, and um, they regulate, and you get kicked out if you're, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a degenerate. In those Boss Cubes uh, um, communities, they're regulated, so you have to be, um, you know, progressing, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, people are cycling through these all the time because they're getting houses, getting jobs. One guy didn't have a job. He got his first job by living in one of the Boss Cubes. It was because he had an address couldn't get a job because he didn't have an address got an address he's out of there he's got his own apartment now mm -hmm. um but yeah uh i mean it's, we're, we're what we're doing i think a lot of times is turning our head and ignoring it mm -hmm. and uh um there's different problems there's transsexuality a lot of homeless come from mm -hmm. foster homes they're transsexuals um you know we got to have more compassion there and be more open-minded there's people with mental illness maybe 25 percent mm -hmm. we got to have a different solution for them um there's people that are down on their luck they're they're hand to mouth and they miss a check because they got COVID and uh they're out of their apartment um and you know then there, there might be another group so you know compassion but then accountability i, I totally right. agree but not turn your turn your cheek and ignore right. it Right, you know, exactly. Do something, you know, go invent something. This is Gen Z, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I think that this the second greatest generation next to Gen X. Um, <laughs> you, they've got a lot of capabilities and a lot of 
collaboration skills mm -hmm. and a lot of open source and a lot of blockchain and a lot of ways to solve the problem. So you guys are going to solve this problem. I'm sorry that it's gotten bigger, mm -hmm. but I think you will. Yeah. Speaking about technology, AI is another one. And I think I heard that um, your brother, is he still the chief of staff at Microsoft? No, he was chief of staff there. And then he was, uh, I don't know, way up there at Salesforce. Okay. And then he, Dynatrace, I, we don't talk about work, but I think he's mm -hmm. head of head of marketing and sales for Dynatrace, something like that. He's always okay. on the marketing side, but yeah, he's deep in technology. And did you hear, by the way, David Guetta made a song with Eminem singing it. And the song was written by... Uh, chat gpx gpt gpt yeah. sorry mm -hmm. gpx different the song and he programmed wow. he typed it in how would um eminem mm -hmm. write this song got it then put it into the voice translator Insane. software and eminem singing on mm -hmm. his song and so he's not releasing it and you know there's copyright and ip right. issues but he played it it's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Wow. And I sat there thinking, oh, my God, my daughter's a singer and she writes songs. You know, what's up with her career? And that's one way to look at it. Just like when I broke my shoulder and my rib. Oh, I can't do anything. I'm going to get fat. Mm -hmm. Another way to look at it is how are you going to reinvent yourself and how are you going to adjust? Right. It's going to be crazy. Think about oh, all the yeah. papers college students don't have to write anymore. Mm -hmm. Think about, I mean, I don't have to worry about spell check anymore. Mm -hmm. And we're using it all the time for, uh, you know, we, we were sitting in the back of a training room at CollegeWorks the other day questioning Jet chat gpx on how would you train this type of sales how would you train mm. and it's printing up the mm -hmm. whole training that we could be doing some of it better some of it worse craziness it is insane so i bring that up because you you have a pretty good pulse with the students and colleges how do you think school will need to evolve because you know like school is saying oh you can't use chat gpt it's not enough you know like the subjects and the different things that people learn will need to evolve and change right so how do you think schools will need to evolve with ai coming wow you kind of picked the least evolutionary group to ask me that question about <laughs> so governments they don't really evolve very quickly or very well schools mm -hmm. i think might be worse so mm -hmm. the schools don't measure job placement really mm -hmm. some of them do i'm sure but a lot of them don't they measure graduation rate. They measure acceptance of their acceptance. They measure what gets them ranked higher on US News and World Report. But they kind of, once you're out, you're out. Mm -hmm. um, the average tuition cost went up 606% over a decade period. And I don't remember when the decade ended. Maybe it was mm -hmm. 10 years ago, so the decade before that. But sometime in the last 15, 20 years, there's been a 10-year period when um, tuition went up 606%. Mm. What? Mm -hmm. um, you've got tenured professors. I don't believe in any of that. So that socialism stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, work, you got tenured professors that are making a lot of money and not doing shit. And I believe in people making millions of dollars if they deserve it. You got a Nobel prize and you're at UC Irvine and chemistry making 2 million bucks a year, more power to you, mm -hmm. but you know, their admin costs have spun out of control. I used to run a school. So, mm -hmm. you know, what percentage of your, uh, of your, spend is direct student touching that's what mm -hmm. we used to talk about and you know if um the the school counselor um is counseling students that's direct student touching mm -hmm. um, but the administrator going in and teaching one class for a weekend 
that's not student touching. So what percentage of your budget is student touching? And the university system has just grown and grown and grown and not a lot of student touching. And there's waste, waste, waste. So they're not very efficient. Um, they're not really, they're usually a little bit behind on the times. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still, I mean, I'd say 90% of the universities in the country would rather have a kid work at Target for $12 an hour in the summer than run a business with me because they're still stuck in the hourly wage. And if it's not hourly mm-hmm. wage, we got students making $90,000. The minimum is six grand. Mm-hmm. That's more than you're making at Target over the summer. Minimum. Six mm-hmm. grand. I mean, what are you talking about? But because they're so stuck in the old way of business, they don't they don't buy into the gig economy. They don't buy into the Gen Zs having multiple avenues for revenue. Mm-hmm. They don't buy in um, into uh, uh, incentive pay. They don't buy into uh, earn the right to work here. They're stuck in this old hourly wage or minimum salary or you know this weird way of business from the 70s it's not working that way so you know the schools are behind in placement the schools are behind in measurement of success the schools are behind in being open to the new way of doing things the schools are behind in the gap between what people pay and what they get the schools Mm -hmm. don't ever talk about all the majors that you actually get less money if you get a degree than if you never went and got a degree at all most Mm -hmm. of the schools my daughter goes to northeastern I mean, they have a co-op problem. You have to have an internship. You have to have a co-op. Um, Tulane, where my son goes, doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Tulane needs to get with the program. And I love Tulane. Great school. It's been great for my kid. But I'm seeing more and more schools that require the co-ops. And you don't get a job coming out of school if you don't have a great resume. Mm-hmm. My goddaughter looked for a year. And she she worked here for in, in HR for a couple of years. Just you you need to get your shit together. So, um, you know, schools aren't evolving. I, you're seeing it. You have online schools. People don't care. M- many of the best schools have an online program. Some of it's free. So you're going to see online schools coming up. You know, there's a lot of trades that we're never going to um, get rid of. You're not going to have drones painting houses because mm-hmm. it costs too much money to move the drone around to paint the house. You'll mm-hmm. have them inspecting houses. So house technologies used mm-hmm. is not what we thought. You're not going to have, you know, a drone holding a fire hose. You're going to have a drone flying over to see where the other machine should put the fire hose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the schools need to wake up. I really think they need to wake up. Some of them are doing a pretty good job. Like I can mention Northeastern. Most of them aren't. Mm-hmm. And there's a disconnect and, and people aren't going. I mean, how do they not notice this? Mm-hmm. COVID isn't the reason. Mm-hmm. It's the economics. I'm paying mm-hmm. fucking 85 grand a year per kid to send them to school. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I'm going to put solar on my roof. It pays itself back in four years. How long is it going to take for my kids to pay? And they're not paying me back, but mm-hmm. how long would it take them if they were paying for it themselves um, to pay themselves back? Get with the program, universities. Mm-hmm. People need jobs. People need to use technology. Figure out how to harness chat, chat, not. GPT. Mm-hmm. I, well, I know it's GPT. I wasn't going to say GPX twice, but figure out how to <laughs> figure out how to harness it, not hope it goes away. Um, I mean, they should be teaching them how to use it and mm-hmm. no student should ever be writing an essay again. Right. Like we're not using typewriters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's and it's going to be you know like almost like a supply. I mean, um, it's going to be like the marketplace, right? If there's going to be some schools that teach kids how to do that, and then the old schools that are traditional and are not teaching kids how to use it, they're going to be out of business. You know, they're going to be gone. And, so and you lose your brand. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a, a, a separation between maybe the top 
50, maybe the top 100 schools mm -hmm. and their tuition and everything else. Right. So you can go get a, a college education mm -hmm. for 12 grand. Right. Or you can get it for 62 grand. And I don't mm -hmm. know what the most expensive is, but the most expensive is in the low 60s plus room and board. Um, okay, how much better is it? How do you measure that by job placement? So University of Kansas mm -hmm. versus University of San Diego versus Sacramento State versus Emory versus Northeastern Tulane. Who cares? Now, if you mm -hmm. go to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford, now you have different companies recruiting out of there. You've got a different network. They've got a brand. People automatically go, oh, you must be smart. Um, so this, these brands mean something and they can mm -hmm. charge a premium for those brands. But I guarantee those top 20 schools are constantly trying to reinvent themselves yeah. to keep earning that brand because you can fall mm -hmm. from grace. Some of the other schools are mismanaged. They need to get with the program. Yeah, absolutely. And if, so they, don't let, if they don't give College Works painting in, uh, interns credit, you got a problem. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? I mean, right. I can't even believe that. I can't believe that. Like there's still mm -hmm. schools that don't do that. What is wrong with you, Kansas? Some school <laughs> in Kansas that mm -hmm. some 26 year old decided that this doesn't apply for credit anymore. What are you thinking, you moron? Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I think people gotta, gotta wake up a little bit. You're getting me excited here, Fawn. Right. Man, my shoulder's killing me. <laughs> moving around too much. Yeah, no. So um, speaking of excitement, you know, like, uh, have you seen the study of the four hour work week? That's, that's you. I'm starting to hear that a lot more. The study of it. You mean the book? Uh, I mean, um, I mean, not four hour work. I'm sorry, four day work week. Okay. So in England, uh, I think it's in London or somewhere in the, the UK, uh, they did a test study of like many different companies to test a four, um, four day work week. And so what they found, and I haven't really dug into it, but all the markers that you want to improve increased by reducing it to a four day work week. Four 10 hour days or four eight hour days? That I don't know. Um, so you, but I think you, I think it was ten. I think it might have been ten. I'm all for that. I mean, the amount of time you spend getting to work, setting up your work, setting down your work, and going away. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is that for me? It's an hour each day of driving, and let's call it another thirty minutes, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So if I could eliminate that hour and a half one day, that's an hour and a half more of productivity. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter if I show up at work at seven or eight. If I leave at five or six. Um, so I'm all for it. I, I, I like taking time off. I like the side gig thing. I like vacations. Uh, so I'm all for it where I have a problem is maybe the Spanish model of, or, or the French model of less hours per week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Spanish model, they have the siesta. So they go to work, come home, go to work, come home, kind of the opposite of what you're talking about. And it's affected their economy. France mm -hmm. and, and Spain's economy has been affected. Companies, don't go to those countries um, because of some of the, the policies, the political policies, but also some of the productivity. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm all for a 50 hour, 60 hour work week. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm all for hundred hour work weeks when you're young and maybe 35 hour work weeks when you're old, like me. <laughs> um, I'm also, I'm all for customization. Some mm -hmm. people do better on online. Some people do better in person. You got a choice. Some people mm -hmm. do better 10 hour work days. Some people eight, some people 12. You should have a choice. You mm -hmm. get the government mixed in there and say, no, we're going to start a class action lawsuit against you because everybody needs a break every two hours. I don't take a break mm -hmm. every two hours. I don't take any breaks at all. I walk mm -hmm. around the office for five minutes every hour. 
Mm-hmm. But I ate lunch at my desk. I power through it. I couldn't even mm-hmm. imagine always taking these breaks because you're winding down and winding back up. Right. So we, you know, hopefully the studies make it up to Sacramento where you live, but that seems to be the <laughs> town of cuckoos a lot of times. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so um so last question for you. You know, like I know you were the chairman of uh chairman of the global board of directors mm-hmm. for EO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you've learned a lot of things while you were there, uh, maybe even had your paradigms changed. Mm-hmm. So like, what were some of the things you've learned there that change your paradigms, you know, that just change your frame of mind in business? Wow. Um, well, the disc, I mean, simple, easy ones, learning the disc test was a major change for me. I didn't understand why everybody hated me because I'm a DI and they were all SCs and learning mm-hmm. how to, people work together and to value um, the other half of the world. Uh, so that disc thing that I did early in my EO career, I learned leadership from my EO career um, because I was managing volunteers. And, you know, it's a lot harder to manage volunteers than manage people that are getting paid. So I learned to manage everybody like volunteers. Um, I learned uh, I learned that people are flaky. Um, so to help them by checking in so everybody else would wait until the due date to see if things got done. I would check in halfway before the due date to help people achieve the goals and not Mm -hmm. wait another month to the next meeting to see if they achieved it again. So the power of follow-up, front-loading, really that a lot of people are somewhat disorganized and somewhat flaky. It's a lot of really smart, really successful people. You know, that's their, that's their, their Achilles heel. So -hmm. if you just help them out, you can unleash their incredible abilities uh, and some, some famous people like a friend of mine down the street here he's pretty famous Mm. um he's one of the flakiest guys i know so you can set up a system he's also the smartest guy i know Mm. so you can set up a system to kind of cover for um and everybody's got him you're pointing at somebody you got three fingers pointing back at you Mm. so you know i'm thinking about him down the street i'm thinking about where i where i'm weaker and if Mm. you can get some people in place um, to cover your weaknesses. And we had that at the global board. Everybody was one personality type. So we made sure we had other personality types that were bringing on the board to compliment us. You know, I learned a lot about leadership there. Um, you know, I'm blessed to have a British mom that had me travel as a kid, but I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and uh, um, uh, experiences and, you know, and 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 elements of culture Mm -hmm. the difference between northern indian and southern indian and the difference between you know vietnam and china and japan historically culturally made me more aware of the world which has helped me um got an incredible network of friends and supporters so you know and we i call myself a favor broker so nobody wants anything for themselves but they want you to help out their brother or their friend um, so we're constantly doing things. I guess I got a real faith in humankind mm-hmm. from that experience. Just everybody at EO wants everybody else to do better. It's like a bunch of wow. siblings, you know, a b- bunch of brothers and sisters. You kind of want to beat out your brother and your sister, but you're going to do everything you can to help them beat you. So mm-hmm. it gave me a lot of faith in humanity. I mean, there was just so much Fong. Right? You mm-hmm. know, I, I spent years there with the Orange County chapter, you know, going through the ranks, doing all the different roles until I was president. Um, learned, like, I don't even, so much being the president of that board, so much sitting on the Share Ourselves Community Food Bank board, where I never was the chairman, just watching these people interact. So much from that global board with, you know, some pretty wise 
um, people and just watching and learning. And, and I, I keep doing that. I was on the school board. I mean, I think the greatest board I've ever been on was the St. Mary's school and Elisa Viejo school board. And mm -hmm. I just, just these people and learning how to get the most out of them, which really a lot of times was just cutting them loose and not putting restraints around them. I learned a lot about working with high achievers and, um, and helping them to deliver the most they can in this environment rather than constraining them. And a lot of times constraining them with my way of doing things or my idea, just unleashing them. I learned a lot. I mean, there's, I, I, could, I actually did write a book about it. It's a crappy book, so I never published it, but I wrote 186 pages about all I learned in just the last year alone. Learned a lot about my wife. And this is probably the most important, ensuring my spouse lived the same lifestyle as me. Cause mm -hmm. I, we lost all our money right as I got that job. And mm -hmm. so I had this secret life of failure and I'm building back my business because the whole thing went under and mm -hmm. I'm flying around the world meeting with all these prime ministers and leaders of business and staying at the four seasons and the Ritz Carlton mm -hmm. and helicopters. And, and my wife's stuck at home eating mac and cheese and hot dogs with the kids, which is exactly mm -hmm. what she told me while you're in Singapore, living at the Ritz Carlton, mm -hmm. living it up, having filet mignon. I'm at home eating mac and cheese with your kids. Mm -hmm. I went, okay, better get on that plane and go home and make sure my wife has the same lifestyle as me. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a never ending, never ending, wonderful experience. I don't remember anything bad from being on the school board, from being on the EO board, from being on the share our sales board, from being on the um, other boards I've been on that I can't remember right now. And that's a good thing about getting older, Fong, you forget the bad stuff, you only remember the good stuff, but mm -hmm. man. I, I, those experiences, and they were all volunteer. Those non-paid experiences really made me who I am. Wow, I think that's a great way to end. You know, like you, that seemed like it gave you a faith in humanity that you know some of the things, like even a work, like your paid job, might not give you. You know, mm -hmm. like all the volunteering and all the things that you do to be of service to other people will give you that hope and that faith in humanity. Um, so yeah, Matt, thank you so much for being on. I'm, I'm really humbled and grateful that you are, uh, decided to do this and, um, where can people find you? Oh, you guys can find me at the edge of excellence podcast on any of your, uh, podcast formats. Um, and that, that podcast basically outlines what people are doing in their career, how they got there designed to broaden people's understanding of what's out there. So you, not everybody goes into flipping and flopping real estate. They can see the other real estate options as an example. And then you can always go to collegeworks.com and uh, there's contact information there or LinkedIn, which I go on about once every blue moon, but Matthew K. Stewart at LinkedIn, I believe. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank Bye, you, everyone. Fong.